Hello everybody and welcome to a special podcast episode with ACO where we will be discussing the current condition of social housing in the UK and the work they are doing to improve indoor air quality in social housing around the country. Today we're joined by Jordan Toulson, Product Manager at ACO. Uh, welcome Jordan, it's uh, good to have you on today, how are you? Hi Floyd, yeah I'm good, thank you, how are you? Yeah, yeah I'm good, it's really good to, to finally get you on, it's been in the pipeline for a while and then it has. Yeah, that's good. Where it, it came to January I was like wow. <laughs> Yeah, straight in. Straight in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, before we get on, I just thought it'd be good for the viewers to get back a bit of context about the current condition of social housing in the UK. Kind of some statistics about indoor air quality, because I think some of them are quite shocking. It's kind of like underreported and people just don't don't realise. Like remarkably, like per household, uh, I saw that the NHS spends £500 over a 10 year period. treating patients with illnesses that have been caused by poor indoor air quality. Yeah. Um, um, I think it was uh, somebody from ACO that told me that fact, actually, and uh, I had to check it afterwards. I was like, this can't be right, but but it is, and it, it's yeah. crazy that the, the air quality in your house, which you just naturally think is okay, just <laughs> normally isn't, isn't it? No, exactly. I've seen a, a figure online that said um indoor air quality can be three to five times worse than outdoor air quality which you just don't consider do you so no definitely not and i think one of the reasons indoor air quality has been reduced over recent years could be due to the fact that uh, houses have come in increasingly more energy efficient um so once the insulation double glazing have been installed into the houses that houses are like really airtight and obviously that can lead to problems such as damp and mould, which can obviously damage health to a lot of the residents and Massively. Yeah. housing across, um, which is kind of like a factor people don't think about, isn't it? Like people think, oh, I need to make my house as energy efficient and airtight as possible. But obviously that has some hidden issues, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the climate change is obviously priority number one for pretty pretty good reasons, really. Um, and therefore that that technology like you say insulating making properties more and more airtight has been the priority but unfortunately it hasn't you know it's come with its repercussions uh, and now we need to try and fix those as well yeah yeah which you guys are are working on so kind of what are you doing to kind of tackle these issues of indoor air quality or kind of address the issues and what products like do you have and, and kind of how are they working yeah, sure. So, I mean, ACO uh, are, are well known for fire, smoke and CO alarms. And obviously that is therefore identifying smoke particles that are in the air. So it's a really nice fit that we've now brought in our additional sensors, which which monitor temperature, humidity and carbon dioxide. And and all three of those are really vital for, for monitoring the sort of the, the whole picture of indoor air quality within a home. I mean, you've got temperature and humidity, which are massive uh, in within like CDM, condensation, damp, and mold. Identifying if a property is at risk of developing mold and, and the, the you know the adverse effects that that has on air quality, but also CO2, carbon dioxide in itself, um, is a massive issue within within indoor air quality. Um, so we've, we've having those three things monitored within one device is, is really powerful. Um, we've obviously got the gateway that then. Um, takes the data from those devices and sends them up into the the, the software uh, on the cloud. And we've then got two pieces of uh, software that are available. So we've got the dashboard, which is typically for a, a social housing landlord. Um, and we've, but we've also got a resident app. So residents within these properties that have these devices installed can now actually see the data for themselves as well. So, you know, we're not just providing this data to the landlord and saying, oh, the indoor air quality is really bad in this house. 
we're actually telling the resident who you know it's directly affecting so they can do try and do something about it as well and understand what's going on within their own environment yeah and i think that's really good to kind of include the resident because um a lot of people there's kind of like a, a secret culture war between landlords and tenants which i think uh, all of our listeners who will understand if they're renting at the moment or if they're a landlord and they're listening um i think both sides have uh, valid points um you know tenants can say oh my house is moldy but landlords can say well there's things you need to be doing but if we've got actual using technology that can tell the landlord that they need to do something and the residents that they need to do something i think it can it can take away that kind of awkward interaction between landlords and tenants because people can just use their own responsibility through an like an independent app if that makes sense that doesn't have kind of an, an agenda saying oh I, I don't want to pay this I'm going to take your deposit for that. So I think in terms of that, it's got a good kind of personal use as well, hasn't it? Definitely. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it, it's. I think it's going to be really important moving forward. And I think that independent kind of nature of, you know, somebody else is collecting this data and, and showing it to both parties is, yeah, it's really going to help with that dynamic. There's lots of kind of, side benefits from these sensors I've found as well which is quite because the more you look into it it's not just about saying oh you need to open your window more here or you know your oven is like uh, emitting carbon monoxide and you need a new one um, but also obviously a massive issue in the UK is fuel poverty and this can kind of help address that issue can't it so I think I saw something like nearly 13% of all people in the UK experience some form of fuel poverty um, so how how can these sensors help kind of reduce that issue? Yeah, it's a it's a shocking figure and, and it's something that um I'm really passionate about getting on top of. And and the way that, that Homelink can help in that is by utilizing this temperature data that's being collected um and just helping to identify properties in the first instance. You know, you know, the first thing to do is is identify an issue. So we can look at uh temperature data to to understand if somebody isn't heating their home to recommended levels so that's 18 degrees minimum sort of thing um, and then you can take that data and in conjunction with the SmartLink gateway which is that device that's collecting all of this information that has a, a mains absent alert as well so if we see multiple mains absent alerts across a period of time and we see you know consistently low temperatures then that might be the cue for a landlord to approach that resident and, and understand what's going on. Um, and that might be in the form of just helping them understand what they could do differently to improve um, the, the, the way they use their heating, for example. You know, we, we've seen a lot of retrofit solutions now where heat pumps, for example, are going in, but they are a completely different way of heating a property. And, and require managing in a completely different way that people aren't used to because we haven't had it before now. So it might just be re-educating on how they're supposed to use their heating systems and, and manage it and therefore you know get the best benefits they can from it. But equally, it might be pointing them in, in uh, towards uh, pots of money that are available, government centralized funding that you know it will help them out, benefits, you know, anything that they, they may be um, able to, to get their hands on to help them heat their own homes more more effectively. Uh, equally, again, similar to damp and mould, it's about that dynamic between the landlord and, and the, the tenant as well, because it might be that the landlord has some responsibility to try and help improve the con that, how easily heated uh, their home is, 
insulation, um, better doors and windows, you know, that sort of thing. We can, again, data can be used to identify those scenarios as well to try and help um, improve the fabric of the home so that it is is more maintainable for, for a resident to, to heat. Yeah, sure, sure. And and that kind of like moves on to that eco-social mi mission in a way, isn't it, as well, to kind of help improve living conditions? Because in, in so social housing, you've got a lot of vulnerable people. Um, so I think yeah. a lot of people that maybe don't have a voice. So kind of, do you think ACO, you kind of have a social responsibility to kind of create that voice for them with your technology? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so our mission statement, ACO's mission statement is, um, was, was produced by the staff. You know, all of, all of my colleagues got together over a, a course of days and put together what we wanted to, to provide as our mission statement. And, and we came up with the leader in home life safety, promoting best practice, engaging with our communities and delivering safer homes. And those last three words, delivering safer homes. That's so that's obviously, you know, fire and smoke. We don't want to see um, fires within within any housing. Um, but it also goes towards safer homes in, in terms of, of fuel poverty and indoor air quality and condensation dump mold, all, all of these that can have an impact on health. Um, and well-being, you know, mental well-being as well. Uh, it's yeah, it's really important to us. It is part of our core statement, not just our social mission, our mission statement. Full stop. For for everybody listening at the moment that maybe they don't have these sensors in their social home, social housing, or in their actual houses themselves, like if they're privately renting or or their homeowners. And what would you recommend to people um, on how they can improve the indoor air quality in their own homes? How best to manage mould and damp issues that they may have? Yeah, so there, there is the, the traditional ones, you know, the typical ones of open your windows. I mean, open your windows is so, so powerful. Um, it's ridiculous, it, it, you know, because it, it affects condensation damper mould. It improves indoor air quality. Um, it, uh, it even can, you know, reduce the amount of uh, dust mites uh, that that can start uh, breeding in your houses if you're ventilating properly, but that sort of flies in the face of what we were talking about before, fuel poverty and, and you know uh, yeah. trying to keep your your home warm um, and, and not uh, yeah environmental footprint of trying to heat but not heat when the windows are open but having the windows open but it's cold it's, yeah you know uh, so isn't it <laughs> exactly exactly um so there are some other things you can do that i've seen online um so for example and a really interesting couple is is about um volatile organic compounds which are these um pollutants effectively that that are, are coming from everywhere um they'll come from furniture they will come from paint so when you you know when you walk into a room and you're like oh you painted recently because you can smell that new paint smell yeah that's volatile organic compounds that you are smelling um, yes. and, and they're not great for air quality. Uh, so there are things you can do. There are things like secondhand furniture. That is actually a good way to do it because any volatile organic compounds that will have been, um, you know, sort of put into that product or um, are part of the, the fabrics of that product yeah. uh, will have been released when in the first, say, year or two. And then once they're secondhand, you know they've already got rid of all of their their volatile organic compounds so you can uh, get it rounded that way ikea have actually released some uh curtains 25 pound a pop i saw um that actually have a special layer that will actually help uh, uh, like absorb um pollutants from the indoor air 
so you can actually that's a, a really interesting one that I, I might uh, take myself up on that one myself yeah, uh, I've never heard that no, uh, yeah no it's really it's really interesting um, uh, but there's there's another aspect to it as well which you don't really consider and that is things like air fresheners and, and candles as well you know anything that you're spraying in the air that isn't pure air is going to be polluting your yeah. indoor air quality um so air fresheners aren't aren't particularly good candles as well because you're you're burning something so that's that but you know soot that you can see coming from the flame that's going into the air that you're breathing um and so yeah trying to reduce those or using more natural sort of based uh, not paraffin candles for example they're the worst so using beeswax candles might be an improvement um plants is is a, a kind of a regular one that people go to you know uh, if I have more plants they're going to absorb the carbon dioxide that's great uh, which is and it is good you know they, they refer to the amazon as the lungs of the earth so why can't the orchid on my windowsill be the lungs of my home but yeah the, the only issue with that is that uh, I did see a report that said you'd need something like a thousand plants per square meter <laughs> to replicate the air cleaning power of just opening a window. Oh, wow. OK. Uh, so, you know, if you're not opening a window, having a plant is better than not having a plant. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah great. But yeah, you, you've got to keep in mind that it's not going to be as powerful as just ventilating <laughs> the home, uh, unfortunately, yeah. which which would be good. Um, because yeah, back at back at opening windows, that is that is always going to be king, I'm afraid. Um, so it's about managing uh, heating around that using um, uh, the the ventilation above the windows that's there now on on most double glaze like modern windows, uh, and maybe just using the sort of security function on the windows so you can like partially open just so it allows some air through, but it's not you know fully open. Um, it's more about uh, the in terms of heating the home it's more about the fabric of the home so the walls retain a lot more temperature than the actual air itself does so you could reduce the air temperature um for say 10 minutes while you've got that window open and it wouldn't adversely affect the temperature in the walls itself so you'd, you'd quickly regain that temperature um yeah. so that's that's really important to note as well yeah sure and i, I wondered if you could uh, help me out actually because it's a bit of a personal debate that i have with the uh, with my parents because uh, in my house I put the heating on kind of twice a day in the morning yeah. and the evening um, but my parents have it on constant and control the heat by the thermostat okay which one is the best one to do in terms of uh, energy efficiency and also make potentially air quality indoor because we need to settle this I think <laughs> yeah that is the age-old question um I, I, I ha yeah I have very similar conversations um, <laughs> My partner is one of those that would prefer to have the heating on at 24 all day, every day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have to explain that we probably can't afford that. That's yeah. ridiculous. Um, uh, so in terms of indoor air quality, well, condensation damper molds specifically, um, maintaining a, a steady temperature is, is pretty ideal. Um, having that fluctuation in temperature isn't great because it means that the um, the, the, the amount of moisture that the air can hold as it fluctuates in temperature varies and therefore water can, you know, end up conden condensing on colder surfaces um, before the heating then kicks in again and the air heats up again. So from a condensation damp mold point of view, consistent heating is, is ideal. From an energy efficiency view, though, uh, it's, it's really not ideal. Um, you want to be, uh, you know, 
uh, putting the heating on in the morning and the evening is yeah is, is the classic example of of a much more thermally efficient way to do it, or energy efficient way to do it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that one. Up, like well, day, I mean, I don't probably haven't solved the argument, have I? But uh, yeah. But I think you've just reinforced both sides' points a bit further. But uh... yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> kind of, uh, moving on to something a bit different. Uh, so it's not quite housing, but it's kind of schools, and obviously, um, it was another underreported issue about air quality in schools and how that can affect learning and cognitive function and kind of think i hate talking about covid so much because everyone hears it everywhere but i know yeah. I think COVID's really highlighted the the importance of indoor air quality for children and ventilation so kind of how can your sensors be rolled out into other settings and is this something you're trying um, and do you think this could help identify issues around schools yeah definitely i mean so, so like you say um Everyone hates the C word these days, but it, it's the, the the mantra, hands, face, space, fresh air. That fresh air element is definitely, you know, CO2 um, is is what's being used as a way to quantify what fresh air means and that 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 thing around ventilation. Um, it's so therefore it's you know, just to tie it back to houses, it's really important in houses as well. But schools they are definitely using it so in scotland there's actually been legislation that they now are having to monitor co2 um, and report back to the government about the co2 figures within their classrooms eastern bartonshire council we've actually uh, rolled out to 45 schools now we've got over a thousand classrooms being monitored for co2 um, and and it's it's helping them understand which classrooms either need you know additional ventilation mechanical ventilation or just uh, a bit of a, a nod to the, um, the the teacher that's teaching in that classroom to maybe open a window or you know let some fresh air in um, because it is it, CO2 is so well, sorry fresh air is so heavily related to the transmission of COVID um, and, and CO2 is the best way to identify when you know when that ventilation rate isn't isn't high enough. Yeah, sure. So, um, have you got any kind of preliminary results from these projects yet? It's, it's just like uh, uh, reports from teachers saying that like they they really like using it, or it's really helped with like the kids' attention, things like that. Are there any kind of statistics on, on that side of things? So, on the statistics front, um, there is a Harvard study that was uh, that we found, and it talks about. Uh, the levels of CO2 that can impact upon cognitive function, like, like you mentioned, and it was it was quite scary, really. It's something like 950 parts per million um, can result in a 15, 1.5% decline in cognitive function. And, and to give some context to that, if you go to the middle of nowhere, um, in the middle of a green field, surrounded by nothing but trees and birds, you'll get a reading of around 400 parts per million. So 950 isn't really that high. Um, we have also, and then the Harvard study also goes further and says that at, at around 1500 um, parts per million, your cognitive function can be impacted by 50, 50 percent. Oh, so wow. there's a massive leap there between, you know, how how much impact there can be on your decision making abilities um, just by the, the CO2 levels within your environment. Um, so we that and that's exactly why you know co2 is also really important because every year you know you you they see around exam season isn't it you you tend to hear 
um, then the CO2 and, and indoor air quality coming up around schools and, and the importance of trying to make sure that, that, that kids are exposed to the fresh air. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's exactly that that EDC, Eastern Monarchshire Council, have, have, have pushed forward with this, um, as well as COVID. And uh, they, they, yeah, well, they've seen results because they're seeing data and they weren't seeing data before. So that is the first step in, in getting anywhere with all of this. It's understanding what your current situation is so you can understand what you can do to improve it. Um, and like I say, I think I think some teachers are getting a knock on the window going, should probably open this window now, please. Um, and that's going to help concentration. Um, I always tell the story of when I was in, you know, lockdown 1.0, working from home, weird, weird little setup in my back bedroom uh, with, you know, the door closed and, and, and then it was in winter. So the window was closed as well. And I'd get to two o'clock and my concentration would go through the floor and I feel like I want a nap. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get, quite get away with having a nap. So, um, yeah, I, I thought it was shouldn't have had that much pasta for lunch but it probably was the co2 levels you know it's yeah. that me sitting in a room on my own no ventilation breathing out co2 all morning causes a build-up and then that impacts your own your, your own cognitive abilities to, to function and to concentrate um so yeah opening that window is 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 key again going back to opening windows unfortunately yeah yeah definitely yeah but yeah, yeah, thank you for your time today. I think that's all we've got time for, unfortunately, which is a shame because I could literally talk about this all day. Um, I think there's loads of stuff that we can go into. Um, but for our, for our listeners, feel free to go back and listen to all our other episodes and we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we'll be focusing on transport. Then we'll be moving on to um, hydrogen, which is a new venture for us. So uh, we're, we're really looking forward to be uh, talking, talking about that a bit more. And then we'll come back around to housing and, and talk about issues like this in a bit more detail. But um, until then, thanks for coming on, Jordan. And um, I'm sure I'll speak to you again soon.